0: I'm, I'm trying things out. That was supposed to be the sound of a, a pop. Like I was literally like <laughs> popping open a pod. The Bitten Peach Pod. I'm popping in to see what's inside this pod. And what do you know? It's a bit in Peach Pod, another episode. Exactly what I expected to find there. And in this episode, we're doing what we always do, which is get two queer Asians together in one pod, two peaches in a pod, to bite down into all the things that made us queer and Asian. All the things of the pop culture, of the normal culture, of our identities, of all that good stuff. And we just talk, basically. Queer Asians talking is the entire concept and that's what we do here. And who is me, the one that's talking at the moment? It's me, it's Shay Shay, half Irish, half Japanese, originally from California, but living and working in London in the Dragon Cabaret sphere as a writer, director, performer, etc., etc. And tonight, Today, the podcast is not a specific moment in time, so in this moment in time, whatever time you are experiencing this, the other guest in our podcast today is the amazing musician, singer, songwriter, DJ, please put your anything together. Four shivam sharma hey hey shay shay oh the catchphrase is alive and well hey hey shay shay it's me you're gonna be hearing a lot of those
1: again pretty soon
0: oh we'll see about Mm -hmm. that (laughs) and thank you so much for joining me in the podcast today as you know we are going to be talking about all things queer and asian and because we are queer and asian we can determine what is queer and asian we could we could label anything as part of the queer asian experience it doesn't necessarily have to on paper be queer and or asian for it to be queer and asian to us do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i know exactly what you mean some things are Queering rather than queering themselves. Ah, yes. I mean, isn't that the case? When we were growing up, like, there was so little representation, especially of Asians and of queer people. So to have something queer and Asian, like, mm. unlikely. Unlikely that it was explicitly that way. A lot of the time we had to find our things mm. and kind of transform them for ourselves. It's all in the
1: interpretation.
0: hmm mm-hmm. When you were young, were there characters in movies or in tv or cartoons or anything that you projected and resonated with that may or may not have been specifically uh identity lining up with you
1: well my early experiences of growing into my queer self was pop music basically was
0: in okay, pop stars yes.
1: and was let's
0: pop into it let's, let's bit pop piece straight pop. into
1: it <laughs> yeah it's funny my my journey to music definitely starts with pop stars mm-hmm. and kind of just being an attention-seeking little leo kid actually to be uh-huh. honest
0: so I was so like. So you were one of those kids that was like, put on my song. I'm doing a show. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, I remember like going
1: to my cousin's house. I'd be like, right, guys, we're not going to play. We're going to learn a dance routine. I'm going to choreograph it yes. all. We're going to perform yes. it to our huge audience of four yes. four adults. Yeah, it's going to be deep and don't don't mess about.
0: Do it properly. So. <laughs> Who were the the poppy stars of your developmental years that you were like really feeling your oats to? Ooh, okay, I was obsessed with
1: Spice Girls and Steps.
0: Classic. Okay, Steps and Spice Girls. I mean, if you just said that you, you know, had to like get the group together to learn the choreography, and that's mm-hmm. very much what those groups were about. I mean, Steps is literally called Steps. Yeah, exactly for a reason. Um, have you seen that Steps are still alive and well and making music together? Oh my god, I've seen that they're still selling out like
1: arenas full of thousands of people, and it's it's really cute to see. Actually, they've still got their fan base has been like eagerly waiting for the return of this and. Because I think, you know what? I actually got (laughs) my, like, midnight before bed watching on my phone moment somehow took me to a documentary about them, like, reforming. Apparently, there was this huge rift and they had this huge argument. They all fell out, all went to different Mm -hmm. sides of the country, couldn't see each other again. And then they their reunion was televised and I didn't get that far because I fell asleep <laughs> yeah
0: I yeah they got back together to do like a live performance on I want to say like this morning or something mm. and it was like tense and they all had to work together again but I think they enough time had gone past and they kind of got some sort of closure on whatever drama they'd had and they've been still making mm. music together ever since there was supposed to be an album that came out and a tour last year during the pandemic. So they've been releasing the songs bit by bit just like on YouTube because otherwise they're just sitting around. And they just had a music mm-hmm. video not that long ago come out featuring Michelle Visage. Have you seen that?
1: I saw. I've, I haven't watched the video itself,
0: but like I kind of forget it's, that she sings it's and that great. she's still I mean, it it's like bad. It's Is like it? it's like what you'd expect steps to sound like in 2020 but i just love um so they're all in the music video but because lisa scott lee lives in dubai she can't be in the same mm-hmm. shots as any of them so every time it goes to her she's just like alone on this rooftop like really getting getting her life and then michelle visage <laughs> is actually doing the choreography with the other four like in a studio and when i say choreography it's mostly oh like God. pose Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, pose. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, beat of my heart.
1: But that's what we want. We just want to bask in their poses and their glory. We want to remember what it felt like. I find it so funny that Michelle Visage is like, she's obsessed with British culture. She loves it. Like, she knows it way better than me. Like, I feel like she like says something about Emmerdale recently.
0: Like, she's hardcore in it for like, the Brit whatever we're doing an anglophile if you will yeah mm. america is surprisingly filled with a lot of people that are kind of like entranced trance and amazed by british culture really yeah 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 it's definitely a thing like the royal family is something that because america has does not have that at all anything even close to a royal family there mm. is just kind of this fascination with them i remember when I, God, I don't even know. One of the many weddings a long time ago. Like, I was just so surprised because all these people were talking about it at, at, when I was at university. And I was like, why the hell do any of you care? Like, <laughs> it's so dumb. And I am, I am like very anti royalist. So whenever I hear any of that shit, especially from abroad, I'm like, that's the, that's one of the main problems because in the UK, one of the justifications to keeping the royal family is that it brings in tourism. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if all these stupid Americans these keep animals. coming to the UK and spending money, quote unquote, because of the royal family, then that just keeps them in power. So I say, eat, eat the royal family, feed the starving <laughs> children.
1: I mean, to be honest, I just don't really pay attention to them at all. Like, I, I just about know which brother is which because of all the stuff that's been in the news recently. When they say, "Yeah, no," there's a lot of princes. Some of them are like
0: eighty. Some of them are like twenty something. Yeah, I get a bit. I don't know if they even. Are, I don't really understand who's who, but prince is not necessarily an age bracket. You think of yeah, a young prince. You think of like Little young, sexy prince. prince, and that doesn't really seem to be the current. Nah, we ain't got none of those now. <laughs> the two, the two princes, Diana's offspring, had a had a, a sweet, a sweet, you know, kind of young man era where they were kind of handsome and mm. then they've really gone the way of their father unfortunately oh i think the one in America's quite cute kind of he you know what he gets credit for being a good guy mm. who stood by megan markle and like denounced his title i i at least commend that did you watch the interview oh my god i did I did. That was shocking. That was so interesting
1: because it was the first, like, insight into what... Like, we have no idea what that world looks like day to day. We only see what's on the news, which is, like, appearances and stuff. And I hadn't really ever thought about, as I said, I don't really pay attention to it, but I hadn't really thought about what it was like day to day, literally trapped in a castle. That's not not a fairy tale. That's, like, a real-life thing. Yeah, that's no way to live... No, it was wild. I'm really glad that they opt to out it, and I think it sets a good... I think, like, I don't know, I'm quite excited. Not excited, but, like, it feels a bit satisfying sometimes
0: to see Britain get
1: served itself on a
0: plate, if you know what I mean. The illusion is sometimes shattered, because I think um, something that England does well is, like, putting on a, a, a put-together mm. face, And keeping everything Mm -hmm. else kind of under wraps. I think in this country, obviously, built on white supremacy, racism is rampant. But the racism in this country is a little bit more covert. It's a little less uh, Mm -hmm. outwardly spoken. In America, it results in, you know, violence that you can see and vitriol that you can hear and read. Here, it's like it's it's more insidious it's built into the fabric and the structures of of every industry and every political system in this country so much so that it's actually hard to see to see it because mm-hmm. it's it's everywhere i know you mean
1: literally sewn into the fabric of every system yeah what we learned from this interview is that there's like a system above the system what i got from that was like she kept talking about like the um what does she call it again? The Firm? The Firm, the Firm, yeah. And I'm like, who are these invisible mafia? I kind of have a picture of them in my head. They're like in suits and they're
0: really stone-faced and they're just like stood around them in a square saying, don't do this. It's so strange to think about like there's a group of people that have been like basically hired, I suppose, to keep the royal family in power. But that also benefits them because if, they, if the royal family loses power, these people are all out of a job. So it's like, Mm. Their motives—they so kind of become the puppets of it. It's so weird. It's like who's who's controlling who? Exactly. I've got to say, one thing that I do
1: enjoy is how the queen dresses. Though she's she's pretty cute. She always wears like a bright green, like whole dress and hat matching.
0: She's a monochromatic queen. Yeah, that's quite fun. Like I hope I'm doing that at her age. She, she loves a matchy Zella. matchy moment very much i'm very into wearing the same color head to toe so i do resonate mm. with the style and like i mean i don't imagine that she is an evil person to her core whatsoever but i also don't think that she has any say or control about what happens in this country and i don't think mm. that she is aware of what it's like to live in this country because she's never lived in it she's oh, no, lived you know in that better than ever
1: now you've just lived in that castle your whole life and you're kind of on shift. And when you're not
0: on shift, you're sitting still inside four walls in your little ivory tower, quite literally, Mm. literally. (laughs) So I, I want to know because you and I are both mixed race and there is, there's there's so much that comes with that, you know, like sometimes you can, you can kind of tap into the white side of your family and that culture, but, you know, to the outside world, to your average person, they're never going to mistake you as white. (laughs) They're always going to know you're something else. What has been your experience with, like, kind of negotiating and navigating having, like, uh, a biracial identity?
1: It kind of just naturally... Like, I didn't grow up thinking I am of two different races. It kind of just naturally formed one fluid Thing like even uh religiously, like my grandma and my Indian side of the family are all Hindu, and my mum comes from a super not a super Catholic family at all, but a super Catholic country. And yeah, even Ireland. religiously, name, kind name of her Ireland. Sorry, name Ireland. <laughs> so I'm half Irish, half Indian. Indian family on my dad's side, and my mum is Irish. Yeah, I've always just been super proud and excited and uh, about about both and. I guess, um, when I was younger, I was going to Ireland, like quite a lot with my mom and, uh, Whereabouts that, the in Irish Ireland accent is your mom Dublin. From? I was going to try and do an accent for a second. And then I thought, you know what? I actually can't, I would get like, when I'm in Ireland, I like my heart gets so full. Like I love the Dublin accent so much mm-hmm. and I always, I love it so much. And I'm often a bit like, you know, I'll have a drink if I'm in, if I'm in Dublin and the accent, I just start doing it, it. but obviously, out. but it is, it's awful. And my cousins are literally like, please stop. My mom is like, stop. Like, it's not funny. <laughs> and it's still coming out. I can't, I can't help it. It's uh, just it happens a terrible with, accent. Can't happens
0: with out. me as well. Like my mom, <laughs> uh, my mom doesn't have an Irish accent. Like not very I didn't very know detectable. you were Irish. Yeah. My I mom's from Cork. Um, mm-hmm. And we would visit a lot growing up as kids. And when sometimes, especially if, like, if she's on the phone with her family or she's talking about Ireland, the accent comes right back. And then. Oh, yeah, same. I just, I just, I guess I just, I'm hearing the sounds and I just start doing some of those sounds. So I'm not like putting on an accent, but it just happens. It mm. just happens. I mean, it kind of happens sometimes when I hear different types of British accents as well, which feels more wrong when I like, when someone's speaking to me and like, I don't know, like an intense Liverpudlian accent and suddenly I'm like putting a fake one on. I'm like, ooh, that's not okay. We got to reel it in. <laughs> I blame it. I, we, you know what? We just need to blame it on our performance side. We're just such talented actresses. and
1: natural performers. We can't help it.
0: Do you find that your mum gets
1: more, you can hear the accent more when she gets angry?
0: Because um,
1: I find that when my mum gets like, gets like pissed off, suddenly it's like... Suddenly, it's just all there I can hear. I mean, she's always got a bit of... I didn't know my mum had an Irish accent until my friends told me, and they were like, oh, Same. yeah, your mum's thick Irish accent. I said, really? And every so often, I can hear it a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, she's been here for years, but, yeah, Dublin accent. Irish accent in general, like, if
0: I ever hear that, I will go off and be like,
1: I'm Irish, too. Let's, like,
0: talk about <laughs> I it. Know. I know. I, I love to tell people that I'm Irish because people would people do not assume they never would assume that Mm. because because you see you see a person that you you don't i mean you rarely and i'm not saying you as in you and me but people if they think of an irish person they're not thinking about a mixed race person they're thinking about Mm. kind of a classic white irish jolly person the
1: typical image is like the lightest skin you could imagine and like the hottest ginger hair but no, there's yeah. there's um you know the prime minister of Ireland is like a uh, is like an Indian Irish gay guy at the moment Leo Varadkar
0: yeah I'm have to double check that, that. Might I'm be pretty his sure name. it's, it's I, Leo my, my mom always tells me about, but that's really yeah. cute that makes me excited I know shocking yeah like Ireland it's amazing mm. how much Ireland has changed because like when our moms were kids like Ireland was like so so white so Catholic like. Every everything and anything was not okay. Like divorce was not okay. Gayness certainly wasn't okay. And then, you know, within their lifetime, Ireland became the first country to vote in favor of gay marriage. I know Ireland has done
1: so much good work to talk about its past, um, like some like really dark, horrible stuff to do with like Catholicism Mm. and just really traditional stuff has come up over the past couple years. And I just think, yeah, they've, it's like a pretty queer place now. I remember one time I was, I was in Dublin around the time of a vote about, um, abortion. Mm. And I remember going down the, uh, the main road, actually can't remember the name right now. Grafton street, I think it is. And, um, there was like flags on like down the high road. So many flag after flag after flag advertising like talking about it and half of them genuinely half and half would be pro it and the other half would be like so against it and oh, it really wow. felt like a tense moment yeah. and I remember a lot of people um a lot of Irish people around the world sort of went home if they couldn't do I I don't know if you could do a postal vote but I definitely knew a lot of people going back I remember to a Orleans lot of people went
0: back it. to vote for that a lot of mm-hmm. people went back to vote for um same-sex marriage like There's a big thing of like going back to Ireland to be there for these historic moments. Mm. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing the, the change that has happened because like whenever my mom takes, whenever I'm in Ireland with my mom and we walk around, you know, her neighborhood, it's, it's, she gives me like a little tour, but it's the most grim tour you can imagine. It's like, well, that's where the kid died and over there oh. is where the pedophile lived and, oh, well, that's where he beat his wife to death. And you're, you're just like, oh, my oh God. what a wonderful place to grow up, mother. <laughs> Cute. So um, I actually have my, you know, my go-to question. And I know that you have gotten this question before in the real world because who hasn't, especially if you're not a white person. And that question is... <gasps> Um, where are you really
1: from? Mm. I'm from South London. Yes. <laughs> I've always lived here. This is pretty much, I feel very much from South London. Um, and as I said, half Indian, half Irish. I find that, um, often when I'm wherever I am in the world, a lot of people often think that I'm from the country that I'm in. That makes it sound like I travel loads, but I quite find that... So I find when it's in that way, I find it quite,
0: like, flattering. I'm like, oh, thank you, but
1: actually, I can't. Yeah.
0: What, <laughs> but, um, I guess you could say, you, and I, I experience this sometimes too, a bit more racially ambiguous. Mm-hmm. What, what are the common races that you get mistaken for? Oh, um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big mix.
1: I feel like I've had Italian and Greek... Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Arabic, but also I'll get it where like like at, um at one of my jobs uh, I'll be talking to we, we talk to a lot of there's a lot of South Asian people in Croydon where I am and often I'll be talking to someone and they'll just say, you're you're Asian, you're South Asian Ryan and I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, thanks yeah I am. Let's talk about it um and obviously I have like the most South Asian name ever um Shivam Sharma my my grandma got my got her so my grandma's like super super religious and she and like, is
0: she based in the uk or is she, she is yeah
1: so she's like the main source of the indian influence in my life we are so close we're so different but we're so close and we really got closer over the past like four five years because i was working in i was working not too far from her house basically so quite mm. often i'd go over before work or after work and she'd be like she'd be like oh um she'd have the tv on and she'd like have always made food even though i'm like i'd always say we sort of got through this like formality where i'd be like oh like please like don't make food like you don't need i don't want you to be on your feet and i knew full well that she would make food and i kind of i wanted her food like she like (laughs) food is such a sense of pride in south asian culture and she is like a perfect example of that. Like that is what she's known for. Absolutely. Oh, she's um I miss her cooking so much. She's still around, but she's in a home now. Um so I haven't had that for a while. And I just miss that like home cooked Indian food. Like that was
0: mm-hmm. that
1: was the dream.
0: Uh, but um always better home cooked.
1: But so her I was her first grandson. And in fact, uh-huh. me and my sister are her only grandchildren. And so she was like, you're going to have an Indian name. And her guru, uh-huh. who she like really, really worshipped, she was kind of like a disciple of this lady. Like she went went, she went to India to be with this woman for the last part of her life and stuff. Um, so she names me and it's, there's this whole system to do with what, um, what day of the year it is. I think even what year oh. it is, what my gender is, like at birth. Um, So I had to either be called Shivam or Sagat. Those were your only choices? I mean, my mom wanted to go for Joseph after her dad and my grandma. As far as I can understand, she was just like, this is going to be an Indian name.
0: I got got an Irish middle name. Joseph went
1: in in the middle.
0: That's so interesting. I love, I mean, I don't love that naming a child has to do with like what gender they're assigned Mm. at birth. But I do love the idea of like, like figuring out all these different methodologies of, of the, the location, the time, mm. the place, the people, the lineage, and to figure out like what name belongs to you. Me at too. least at least when you're born. Me too. The nice I'm thing so about names well. is we can rename ourselves any damn time we want to. Mm. But I'm so glad that you've kept your name. Oh my god, yeah, of course. now I'm so proud of my name. I love the alliteration. Cause you could have been one of those kids at
1: school that was like I'm going to go by Joseph. Well, that's a really weird thing, actually, that I kind of remembered not that long ago. But so when I was younger, I'd be going from my nursery to my mom's work office where she'd be doing work. And I'd be like, just like on computer, I don't know, playing games or whatever. And Mm -hmm. they called me Joe there for a while. And I kind of remembered this later on in life where I was like, hang on a sec. I was, I was, ah. I was Joe for a part of my life and I do not feel like a Joe. And that's quite surreal for me. Joe. <laughs> Joe. That's, that's not, not you. Joseph is, is
0: part of me for sure. Yeah. But, but Joe. No, I'm, I'm Shiva or more Shiv. Shasha. Just like Shashi. Shasha. Shasha. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about music, mm-hmm. darling. The music of the night how and when did music start I mean you said the pop the pop the pop groups were your kind of upbringing on music steps um who I feel like we could have talked about longer but I think oh I gosh. think it's time to move on but I've I will say really say quickly them. tragedy their version of tragedy is absolutely spectacular the video is deep. Oh dance my a little gosh! Bit. I know the dance moves. Oh, there was a period of time where I learned it all, and I have to tell you because I grew up in the U.S., I didn't know who Steps were. They didn't make it to the United States. I only learned about them when I moved to this country in my early twenties, and I got the mm. full education of what '90s and naughties pop was here in the UK. And Steps definitely stood out as the the crowning jewels of that era for me. Oh my god! I love that it stands the test of time and still
1: like means everything way later on because for me this is like childhood like i watched there's that one video oh we're talking about steps again but there's that one video when they're all like different characters and like
0: is it deeper shade of blue yeah 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 yeah. yeah.
1: i think that kind of formed my idea of like what coolness was and what colors i wanted to wear and how i wanted to dress i kind of wanted to be blue face guy with topless you know, doing those crazy dances.
0: Oh, mm. yeah, I'd be all up into that. Mm. So um, so from this era of absorbing and consuming these amazing pop groups, how did you then, from there, what was the trajectory to making your own music?
1: So I was always singing. At first, it was just, like, general, like, I wanted to perform. And then I don't really know exactly how it happened, but... Um, So I went to this. I went to this school, which was actually first of all, it was in year seven, so like two thousand and six. I didn't get into any secondary schools, and the only one that did let me. How does it
0: work? I don't understand. You have to apply for a secondary school. You have to apply, and and
1: it's all to do with what grades you have. And I had really good grades, but it's also to do with catchment area and like where you are. It was a little bit ridiculous. It sounds
0: even more complicated than your grandma's and guru's plan for naming you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, and it was annoying because I didn't get into any schools and I was left feeling like, oh, I swear I worked really hard for my exams and did pretty well. But the good side of what came out of it is that there was a school, um, which has actually been in the news a lot recently, Pimlico Academy. Have you seen what's going on there at the moment? No, tell me, tell me. Oh, it's quite amazing, actually. They, um, the students have led this protest. I can't remember exactly what it was about, but I think it was, oh, it was, it was that this new head teacher made these rules about like how high a student's Afro can be. And like, I think it was like the color of a hijab and stuff like this. And just like, yeah, really, really messed up, like crazy stuff that you're just like, wow, in this year? Anyway, the mm-hmm. students led this huge protest, and the teachers, a lot of the teachers, joined in. And there's videos of it online. I'd, I'll I'll send it to you after. I'd recommend anyone listening to look it up. But that was really inspiring because it was proper. Like, I don't know. It was just it was just amazing to see them come together and fight for something. And in the end, I... and it was covered over
0: news everywhere. And mm. what was the school's name again? Pimlico Academy. Oh, Pimlico Academy. I'm just amazed at. The younger generation, the Gen Z. Mm. What? We're Gen Z. What comes after them so- now? Oh, God. I, I think I've, it's been announced, but <laughs> A again. <laughs> just start <laughs> over. Again. Um, I'm just amazed at like how much more, how much more politically active they are at a young mm-hmm. age and engaged in, in society and the way that it works. Because I, for me, it, it was not until university where I even started to think about these things. Mm-hmm. I wish, I wish that that had been more present, and maybe you know, same. I would have understood the world a bit better. Might have even figured myself out a bit earlier. Yeah, same. But and um, I think they are as well. I think it
1: must yeah. be to do with the internet. It's a really good sign that kids and younger people are having to be more socially conscious. I didn't really know much about the world around me when I was growing up either
0: and it would have been nice to
1: see. I think it's also to do with just like representation. Yeah,
0: um, I, I read a statistic that 1 in 6 uh Gen Zers are um identifying as LGBTQ+. Wow. 1 in 6. And the the, the headline said and this number could continue to rise. Like uh, you better you better listen, that's a threat. <laughs> it's, it's a
1: threat. We hear. No, it's true. I've I swear when I was in I remember hearing a statistic like that when I was way younger and it was one in 10 at the time. And I swear that statistic
0: is just getting more and more every year. It's like, mm hmm, "Hmm, look around. Yes, indeed. Until we outnumber those cis, those (laughs) cis sissies. But, um, I was asking you about the music, the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went to this, this school,
1: um, they had a music course and this was the first time that I was with, I was with other, musicians like it wasn't a musical school in itself I think half the pupils didn't even know this music course existed and this was like a rough school like this was a scary school it was not a good year of my life but musically it really inspired me um and that was the first time that I was like being appreciated by other musicians for my voice and therefore feeling more encouraged to explore Mm it my voice hadn't broken, obviously, so I was, like, singing super, super high. Little falsetto and, like,
0: angel. Little falsetto. Well, it wasn't
1: even falsetto at the time. It was just I'd open my chest and somehow that would come out. Kind of jealous. I kind of want to tune back uh. into that now. Um But then um left that school because it was so messed up. And then a couple years later, I went to a music school that I'd always wanted to go to. And that was where I really started to... Just take it properly seriously as like a, as something that I could do with my life. Um, and it was so inspiring being around other musicians who were also feeling the same. And like, there was mad talent in that school. And the people that I met there are still the people that I'm working with today mm-hmm. and that I'm making music with today. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I, one of my best mates now, we just, He was just like let's record something we did put it on soundcloud and then yeah it kind of just got some attention fairly quickly and that was so exciting for me um and just sort of went with the went with the flow from there i think because it was quite a musical place there were people like industry people would go to you could sort of see the soundcloud networks of us we all kind of followed each other and they were sort of scoping seeing who was gonna come out of there next and stuff. Mm. Um, this is the Brit School, if you've heard of it at all. It's like
0: it's in, heard its name, but heard the name. I now know more about it than I ever did before, and I don't know much. <laughs> it was great. Adele went there as well. We
1: got the same bus to school.
0: Oh. Mm. But not at the same time.
1: Not at the same time, no. She was a bit above me. I did meet her there once. She was a huge influence to me growing up, actually, when I was um when I was there. I think it must have been I kind of Wait. felt
0: like what? what? That, the age, Th- that doesn't line up, isn't she? No, 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 she wasn't there at the same time oh. as me at
1: all. She'd, she'd, <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Yeah, how old do you think I am, babe? Well, no, I know you're younger than me, so I was getting right confused.
1: <laughs> I wonder how old she is now. She used to name every album by, like, her But birthday. it wasn't so her so actual really birth.
0: It wasn't, she would name the album after... The feeling of the age of that album, not her age at the time, because 19 and 25 did not come out six years apart. I swear she wrote. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think 19 was written mostly when she was 19, Mm -hmm. but then it didn't come out till she was in her early 20s, I believe. Mm -hmm. But I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I should be. I was obsessed. So you and Adele Um, were like hanging out and having lunch every day and like gossiping about the teachers.
1: We were best mates.
0: Felt her presence. But yeah, it was there where I just like,
1: we'd have like a performance aspect to the classes as well. It wasn't, I find like uh, learning music in in school can often, more often than not be like very classical based and very like, this is sheet music and quite, um, I'm not going to say uncreative because it is so creative. Obviously, I wish I could do classical music, but um, mm-hmm. there's a whole nother side to it that like was explored at this school and through that. We'd, we'd be doing, like, concerts at, like, lunchtime
0: and stuff.
1: Was um, it, like, fame? And then, yeah, from, oh, my God, it was too much, like, fame. Like, the musical theatre kids. Were you out,
0: like, dancing on, on taxi cabs and, like, <laughs> getting your life? That
1: was the musical theatre kids. They were, like, they were kind of known to be, like,
0: cartwheeling
1: through the corridors. Like, I'm not even joking. It's like, hey, we've just got yeah. maths.
0: Calm down. <laughs> Something about musical theatre kids, like, I either wish I was one or Mm. I can't stand them. Maybe (laughs) both. Maybe both. I left there being like,
1: that's a lot of energy. That's that's a lot more energy than I have.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're a lot. It's a lot. I did some musical theater as a kid, but I was never like fully Mm. in it. Oof. I could imagine you on the on
1: the, in the West Ends like I could imagine you being great at that. Oh. Oh my For goodness.
0: Sure. That's why we brought you on the pod just to butter me <laughs> up honey. If any if, if anyone from the West End is listening, I'm available to star in whatever show <laughs> you want. I uh I actually I was quite into theater in high school, but the teacher, she was just not a very nice oh, really? lady. She was not nice. She w- weirdly she was like even though you think of drama kids as being like, you know, not the most popular kids at school. This teacher, for some reason, her favorite students were like more popular kids and more beautiful kids. She was mean to lose to quote unquote losers. Ugh. That's such a mean word. I don't mean it that way, but she like reinforced the horrible, the, like the bullying of like school hierarchies and stuff. Yeah. She was just horrible. Like so horrible. Ugh, so that was one thing that turned me off to it. But I realized Ugh. like in my years at, at, at that school because I went to a high school where every uh, 70% of the students at my high school were of some sort of Asian descent, mm-hmm. very Asian area. Where and was yet it, uh, it was in California, Cupertino, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, Apple, where Apple is mm, Apple computers. <laughs> uh, it's Cupertino Silicon Valley realness. So um, even though this school was so Asian the all the main roles always went to white kids,
1: because Bro. because the
0: roles the roles in the shows are white, right. and it's like okay, but what are we supposed to do then? Like like it. I mean, that was just showing that she was awful, but it made me realize that that at that age, like you know, she's like this, but Hollywood is also like this. Like there are no leading Asian male characters. And there's definitely, I mean, I knew I was going to be a big old queer any day now at the time. And I was like, there's not going to be roles for queer Asians in, in movies there, there won't be. So why would I pursue the acting route? And, you know, I'd love to say that I was wrong and that I should have stuck it out and I could have been the one, but, you know, we're starting to see more Asian representation in film and TV but I'm mm. still not seeing queer Asian representation in film and TV. Yeah, there's not enough at all. You think we need to make that happen? Exactly. Um, so I was just gonna say, if anyone's mm. hiring for the movies and the TV, we're both available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is a visual. This is not a visual podcast, but I can tell you, we both have screen-worthy faces. We're oh. patting them down right now. Oh. <sighs> Oh, it's that, it's, it's actually the, um, on Zoom, there's the amazing touch up my appearance filter. That's why my skin looks so smooth in every Zoom. Oh, you've got a filter on right now. It's not a filter. It's, it's in the, it's in the, anyone that's been on Zoom and didn't know about this feature, it's in the, like, it's in your settings. It's not a filter, but you can touch up your appearance and it just kind of smooths everything out. I always feel very fresh. I know. If I turn it (laughs) off, you'll see the decrepit, nearly 30-year-old skin on my face. (laughs) So speaking of age, that's my segue uh, to get us back. We're going back in time again. Mm -hmm. I want to think about your developmental era growing up in South London. Who can you recall from that time that stands out As the first or just most important Asian icon from your developmental era.
1: So um, I really enjoyed from preparing for this. I sort of tried to look back and was trying to pinpoint the moments that I sort of, yeah, came into my queerness and what provoked that. (gasps) Um, This is a super, this is like the first one that I saw. And this is way before I came into myself. But this was from Big Brother actually okay so big brother big brother was like the thing that everyone watched back in 2005 2006 um so i was like 10 at the time correct
0: me if i'm wrong at the time Hmm. when it was like at its peak there was you could watch it like live you could watch it live at any time right
1: yeah oh i only had five channels at the time but i remember later on you could go on like e4 extra and it would be like live and it would be at three in the morning until like five in the morning and you'd go on it and it would genuinely just be night cams of people just asleep. it would just slowly pan out to someone else's sleep i mean which i thought would be quite it's i mean big brother was watching
0: yeah we were i think all people watching. would just watch it solidly yeah yeah i remember visiting ireland as a kid and like it would just sometimes be on like they would just have the tv on at all hours with the big brother house live <laughs> so weird to think about um well, so was. who was on who who was on big brother oh my god this amazing
1: woman called zuleika shahin she um she had a different name at the time like since so so she went on big brother at the tender age of 19 and she came out so this is a time where like the sort of the sort of excitement behind X Factor, like, you know, when they film, like, thousands and thousands of people queuing up, like, desperate to get on, the same energy yeah. was behind Big Brother, and it was just behind, like, I want to be famous, and it was such a big thing, and they'd come out with these black limousines one by one, and we'd be introduced to these people that we were going to just study for the next. Live with. Live yeah. with, and, like, form really, in like, extreme opinions about, Um and... This woman stepped out, um, Zuleika Shaheen, and she was in a long, beautiful red sari. And she came out with, oh. she's she was just, the eyes, she was just serving face straight away. And she was holding her sari up and walking with such a, such a um, grace and sass about it. And she's a trans woman and her being mm. on the show was just really opened my eyes at such a young age and I feel like also a lot of the world a lot of the UK um to so much stuff like she was so unapologetically herself she really stood her own and she had to she had to fight some people like this is at the time where uh the butt of the joke on everyday TV you know on Friends on Simpsons or anything like the butt of the joke would be like oh this person being Asian or this person being trans or this person being queer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she was only 19, but she had some serious wisdom, wisdom. And, um, she just really held her own from, I've been looking her back up after this. Uh, sounds like I
0: should get her on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. You should. No, you, you definitely should. Formal invitation. Formal invitation. Um, but that was, that planted, that was the first queer person that I'd seen, I think. Like, that I remember seeing, and she was dressed like my aunties and grandma at, yeah. like, the weddings, and it was, that was really inspiring to see. Um She did really well, I think, and she was just, she was just so fun, and I think she's a really unsung unsung hero for oh queer Asian-ness, and I would love... If we, if we could, I would love her to be part of my Pokedex thing, because I think when people yes. see that picture of her coming out of the car, they will be like, oh, my God, I remember was that moment. iconic moment. And then when she came out as well, when she was evicted, she sort of, she would like, she would like, so she was, she was Muslim, but she did Buddhist chants, and she came out wearing this green sari, and she was sort of like, I remember her leaving. Do you remember when, when someone would be evicted and it would be like, you have been evicted from the house, please yes. leave, on repeat, yes. and there would be this sort of scary music playing and you'd feel them, you'd see them walk up these these carpet steps and the doors would open and they'd be just released to thousands of people cheering or booing. Yeah, that
0: really stuck in my head, wow. actually. Wow. Okay, um, I mean, I was gonna say, and I think you're one hundred percent right that she's going straight into the queer Asian Pokedex. I'm taking it out, the mm-hmm. physical, real thing, this precious instrument that I hold, and we are entering. What was her name again? Her name is Zuleika Shahin. Zuleyka Shaheen. Z u l e y k
1: a s h a h i n. And I looked her up as well. And recently, she was like, she was doing this talk at the Oxford Union. Like, yes, she's like, gone to uni, I think she's studied loads since, and she was like, up against all these like, really, sorry, but gross-looking, elite, sort of, sniggering people, and she was just like, again, just serving them. She's great. She's really cool. I'm always really intrigued and amazed by people who do religion on their own terms. Mm -hmm. because i think religion although it's like fundamentals can be pretty much everyone has like every one of them has pretty terrible parts sewn into their roots or what Mm -hmm. we hear to be the roots which often is like linked with colonialism and yeah yeah, or like a book that like some men wrote years later Mm -hmm. on that -hmm. then became the the manual but yeah i always find that but not really inspiring. Do you know about um, Asifa Lahore?
0: Yes, yes.
1: She's it's so incredible, and I recently found out that she lives in Croydon. Oh, are you that's... gonna hunt her down? Well, she she followed me not that long ago on Instagram and comment messaged me about my music. Oh, that's like, nice. No, I love
0: you. I've been watching you when um <laughs> back at the end of 2019 when I wrote and directed a like very queer asian focused version of aladdin for a christmas panto at the vaults she came one of the nights and um i didn't recognize her because she was just kind of in more of a casual look but she Mm -hmm. after she'd been there she posted loads of stories like like a full review of the show telling everyone to go and how great it was and like and 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 she actually like specifically listed that she enjoyed and appreciated elements of it that I felt really passionately about because I put in um, information and jokes about cultural appropriation. And, like, I tried to make the show have a learning element along with, like, really saucy, naughty panto. Mm, that sounds fun. I think there's, was I? there's a sweet spot. It was, it was fun. It was at the vaults. Is that Vauxhall? Uh, no, uh, Waterloo. Underneath Waterloo Station. Oh yeah, yeah, I know
1: what you mean. I've never been there, but yeah. I've always seen
0: it. Uh, well, they're one of the many venues, unfortunately, kind of uh, with an uncertain future. They're not sure what's going to happen next. I was supposed to be opening up a new show there this summer. That's been kind of postponed because they're they're kind of regrouping and figuring out how to move forward. I think this is going to be the case with a lot, a lot of venues, unfortunately. Hey, hey, it's Shay Shay popping in with some good news. The show that I was going to be working on at the vaults is, in fact, happening and it's opening in October. It's called Moulin Rouge. Like Moulin and Moulin Rouge, two of your favorites smashed together. And the auditions are happening at the end of June. If you're interested, please, please get in touch. I need a strong queer Asian cast, obviously. And make sure to come see it and support your local art venues. I don't know if it's where you are, but around me, a
1: lot of places have shut down. And also even in like central London, like big corporate companies um, have shut there. Like, like, Shops like Next and like Topshop and stuff like that have shut down. And I'm thinking, I wonder what is going to be put in its place. Mm. And some of these iconic venues I've had to shut down. Like, I really hope and pray that it will be... That, that, I don't know, things that pop up in its place will actually be good
0: things for us to enjoy that...
1: I can see the face you're making. Like, I'm sceptical. Yeah, I, I, I,
0: I I love the hope and I really do want to see you know, new things open as well. Like, you know, we're talking about keeping keeping our our queer spaces and our RD spaces alive, but wouldn't it be even more incredible if somehow because all these other things have had to close that new spaces are even able to open in their place because maybe rents or, or, or stuff have dropped down? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That is the case I've heard as well. I wish I had... Like- I wish I had a million dollars to buy a venue for all my friends. <laughs> that would be iconic. That's my debut Lovely. single. Um, I heard you're producing my debut single. It's called "If I Had a Million Dollars," and uh, Michelle Psalidis is already featuring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Michelle because she's such an Anglophile. She'll be on any <laughs> track by a British artist. <laughs> okay, I have. Um, while we're here, because I have the Queer Asian Pokedex out, mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, it's out. It's out. Um, and before I put it back in the vault where I keep it, I'd love to know if you have one or more other iconically queer Asian cultural artifacts of any form. They could be movies, TV, books, songs, food, people, places that you would like to enter into this historic, iconic, cathartic, authentic piece of culture. I do. I have something Give to that me. I think you need it in your it life me.
1: if you've not already heard before. So this is a music video and song. It's called "Kanta by DJ Doll and Samadhi. I see your yeah. no. You haven't you haven't heard it before. It's like I don't think so. Imagine so. It's from I think like 2002. I think and we, strong strong era strong era good time for, for culture pop. Um, and this is another one that's not actually in itself queer, but, like, it is the campest thing I've ever seen, and I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with it. It's this track. Um, the, the track itself is kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm going to say Steps again. <laughs> Steps meets Bollywood. Because it, gen- like, you'll hear it.
0: Steps meets Bollywood this sounds Steps, like my yeah, ultimate number one genre of music
1: oh my god and the voice it's just so beautiful on top of that i've always thought i would love to hear this track out and about and then one day of course i heard ryan landry play it at hangama and i uh-huh. was like ah! I, like lost it but so this video and the song is so iconic because it's so 2000s it's starts with this woman she's got like a baby blue thong and she's got like a really low cut top and she's so beautiful and her hairs and buns kind of think kind of Britney Spearsy 2000s vibes. Uh-huh. And, um, she is just like prancing around this club and her boyfriend's getting annoyed at her because why is it again? I think she's like, It first cuts to him looking over her shoulder and she's open outside the club reading, um, a gay porn magazine, like ogling mouth open, like obsessed with it. And he snatches it out of her hand and then she's like, he's like, that's mine. He's like, that's mine. No, he's like, where's my attention? And she, the whole song is her just being like, like, it's cool. I love you. Like, follow me. And she's just dancing around this club. It's kind of like pussycat dolls esque, um, choreography, and it's just, like, you know, we've seen how big production these Bollywood music videos can be, like, there is hundreds of people crammed into this club, Mm. and they're in sync, and every one of these people, like, they're like, this is my moment, they're staring at the camera, and they are selling their... They're um giving you so much face. They're giving you so much face. Teeth teeth and tits, babe. Teeth and tits. Teeth and tits. And at one point she's like she's like looking at him with eyes wide open and she's holding it and she's setting it on fire. Like, don't worry, and like chucked it away and then just starts like dancing with him and like slapping her own ass and yeah.
0: Ooh. It's so iconic. It's so Repeat iconic. repeat its name and artist for me.
1: This is called Kantalaga, so K-A-A-N-T-A Kanta Laga. and then L-A-G-A. By DJ Dole featuring Samadhi S A M A D H I.
0: This is going straight into the Pokédex. It's iconic. Like, I've looked up um,
1: entered Sh- uh, Shefali Zariwala who plays her. I was looking up what she's doing now, and she somehow looks like younger now. I don't understand. This was like twenty years ago. Witchcraft. But... Witchcraft. Honestly, she. Yeah. She looks pretty South pretty.
0: Asian witchcraft. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. The skin. So
0: is it from a film or is it? Its own entity music video.
1: it's its own track wow. it's just its own track. I've never really listened to anything else that the the artist involved in it did like the woman who's dancing around in it I'm pretty sure she's not the singer. that's often the case uh-huh. with with Indian films yeah. as well that like they're, they're called playback singers and there's actually only like for a lot of
0: films there's like two or three yeah. singers who would be singing pretty much all of it. I've heard this. Isn't, isn't one of the most, you know, iconic playback singers a really old woman? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all super old now, but
1: they're still and she's,
0: singing as well. Yeah. She's giving the voice for like this hot 20 year old. And she's yeah. like this, <laughs> she's this granny in the studio, like, yeah.
1: I love it. I actually love how much music and also food are such like fundamental parts of like, life in south asian culture regardless of like religion or gender or anything like that seems to be such a big and
0: dance
1: and dance as well oh my god at like yeah i love that like older older south asian ladies like when it comes to the wedding they'll be wearing like saris with their belly out and they'll be proper dancing
0: oh yeah give me that midriff it's inspiring that better be mean well thing. you need to decide right now are you gonna be an old lady like the queen or are you gonna be an old lady like sexy indian granny in her sari i'm gonna definitely take a sexy sari yeah. for sure i mean of course you're allowed to do both because gender is fluid and there are only two genders <laughs> The queen and sexy Indian granny in (laughs) Asari. You described the moment where you heard that song out in the world. And it was like Mm. such an important moment. I remember I once just went into an off-license and I was paying for something and the song that came on was from the movie Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum, mm-hmm. which is of, of, of the Bollywood films I've seen, which is not that many. It is one that I really love and I actually know a lot of the songs. And the song came on and I was just like, oh, <gasps> and my face just lit up. And the guy was like, do you know this song? And I was like, I do. I do know this song. <laughs> Did he
1: love that you knew it while you singing along? film?
0: Oh, he was very excited. He turned it up as I was leaving, and I like danced out of the out of the off license, and that was where was it? South of the river, South London, baby. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts? Denmark Hill. I don't think I've ever
1: seen you in South London. Oh, was it Chateau? No, I
0: wasn't. I just was going to a friend's house for dinner, um, and Mm -hmm. stopped at an off license. I wish I knew which one it was. I would go back and maybe have a dance. Sing it again. I think, Serenading. you know, what's interesting about Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum, which I have already talked about on the podcast, and I apologize that I only have two things that I talk about, Korean pop music and Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum. But something that I loved about it was that a lot of it took place in London. Oh, really? And there were so many amazing... Yeah, 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 yeah. If you've not seen... So many of the scenes take place in really iconic places in London. Some of it's filmed in the British Museum. Wait, has this got a At song the that, like, things like... Sings like-
1: London, London, there's, there's a Bollywood song that's like always stuck in my head Maybe somewhere. I don't
0: know if it's in there I wouldn't want to say yes or no in case I'm wrong Is it fairly new? No, no, it's from like 2001 or 2 Oh, okay, okay Which, as we said, it's a strong time for the culture mm. It would have been fun to be a grown age at that time And be partying and hearing oh, this
1: kind of stuff God. in the clubs like, I would have also just pop music in general back then I would have loved to go to the club and hear that. I know. Um, well, 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 we can, because... We get to create our own clubs. We get to create our own clubs. We are the DJs. We
0: are the club. <laughs> and when clubbing comes back, I mean, before this... Uh, before we hit record, we were kind of talking about, do we really think clubbing's going to begin at the end of June? And I don't know. But you know what? This podcast, this episode is going to be coming out right around that time. Oh. So... If clubs are opening, I wish all our listeners a very safe and pleasant clubbing experience. Please don't do too much drugs or drink too much because you've been so pent up for a year and a half that you don't know your own limits and you destroy your body and mind. Please be careful. (laughs) Those are my words of wisdom.
1: But also, don't take that for granted. Please go and go and go go there, though, because I have... Support the venues. Support the venues, for sure, and... Put money back into the system of clubbing and nightlife and being out and about because it needs it. But also Absolutely. go and have fun. Yes. Oh my God, we've been cooped in for so long. Like I haven't been out and danced for such a long time. Oh, oof,
0: cannot. I miss wait.
1: it. I've got my um. I've got my first DJ gig this weekend in over a year. Have you heard of Daytimers? It's 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 a stream, but it's in a venue.
0: Oh, okay. I was like, how is that happening? Okay, I see. You didn't know. There's, clubs are open right now, babe. You get to do it live from the venue, but no one will be there? No, one, well, no one will be there apart from the other DJs, yeah. um,
1: and they'll be, like, further back.
0: I mean, but, um, other DJs are sometimes the most fun people to DJ for, right?
1: Oh my god, I'm kind of, like, hoping that I can sort of stick around after and sort of enjoy... The music, because that's the closest I would have been to a club in, in
0: so long. Oof, that's going to be so much fun. But I really want to um, shout out as well Daytimers, this collective. Have you heard of them at all? I've heard the name, but I couldn't... Maybe I, ha- maybe I don't know it from this. I don't know. Tell me.
1: It's so exciting. It's kind of like a collective, kind of like group of people. It started after lockdown started, but like just at the beginning of it. And it's a group of like, there's like DJs, musicians, singers kind of photographers there's a huge discord chat that a lot of us are in and it's sort of become a place where we can all trial out music that we're working on or share songs that like we just want to share with each other or recipes like home-cooked recipes that have been passed down through generations
0: okay there's a variety of things going on in this chat
1: yeah exactly no yeah there's like subsections for each one but also, I think it's kind of, like, the aim is to be a sort of revival of the South Asian underground scene that was huge around, like, late 90s, early 2000s, where, like,
0: ah. where, like,
1: South Asian music met, like, jungle and and a lot of other kinds of dance music uh, genres, like Talvin Singh. Have you heard of him? No. Like iconic producer. He's also worked with York, actually. He's known to be the king of Tabla. Oh. But so they're talking about... Um, they're doing really well and they're getting recognition from from a lot of places but um they're talking about doing like real nights when stuff open up which makes me feel like that, that those will be some some serious nights and the exciting mm-hmm. thing is that no one's met yet so we've sort of all become friends over this chat but it's all been purely online because it's been
0: since lockdown yeah the exciting transition from like digital relationships to real life ones because yeah so many of us have forged new professional or personal relationships only online and so Mm. getting to actually be with people again is going to be exciting and also kind of confusing i think
1: i don't know if i know how to socialize with loads of people like when i've done little bits of it at like pubs outside and stuff my my
0: my social battery
1: dies a lot quicker
0: yeah I We're think... <laughs> gonna have to slowly recharge ourselves up, you know. Yeah. We've all like kinda tightened up. You gotta loosen it back up, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, very, <laughs> very. So tell me tell me and to the listeners where because assumedly things are gonna be reopening, where can they find you on the socials so that they can come track you down and dance around?
1: Mm, I'm on um I'm on Instagram at s H-I-V-U-M. And I'm on Spotify and stuff, so I put out um, an EP about al- almost a year ago, um, just under my, under my normal name. And I've got a lot more new music coming soon, which I'm working on <gasps> before music. and after. We've just been talking now. I'm really, yeah, I'm so excited to put out more music because it's expensive stuff, making music. And it takes oh, yeah. a long time. And I've been working loads of other jobs to collect money and do as much of it as I can myself, like funding it myself uh actually i was recently granted a do you know about help musicians yeah so great anyone that does music that's listening i'd hugely recommend looking up
0: help musicians and there's loads
1: of other grant places as well but um
0: yeah there's a lot of aid right now there's
1: there's actually a lot for the arts and it's it that's really inspiring and needed as well like i Mm, think so needed so needed especially with so much like creativity coming out of The UK. I don't know why there's so much. It's kind of mad.
0: What is in the war? It's, I feel like it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard life. And so you got to channel it into something. So you turn it (laughs) into art and creativity. I feel like Mm -hmm. in Southern California, no one's making shit because Mm -hmm. life is so chill. Wait, where did it say in Southern California? Southern California. You don't ever hear about like amazing work coming out of San Diego, do you? I don't know. I haven't
1: really, maybe. Because,
0: but... spoiler alert, there isn't. No. <laughs> I'll take the shots for fired it. at San Diego, my alma mater. <laughs> well, they're going to track you down. They're going to come dance. And I would love for you, in these final moments of the pod, to send off this, end this episode with a final few words of wisdom, a goodbye, a wave, a look, a wink. Whatever you want to to seal off, seal this episode with a little mwah, little
1: kiss. Oh, winking at the camera. So oh yeah, imagine a wink.
0: Yeah, a really good wink.
1: And thank you for having me on this. It's this has been really nice. I've been listening to this podcast a lot, so hearing your voice through my headphones is kind of like I'm just jumped into it. It's kind of a strange sensation. <laughs> I but hope. Thank you, for having me. I hope
0: everyone's uh, enjoying my my voice. Coming into their eardrums on a weekly basis to shout about gay things. More of it, please. And thank you so much for coming to the episode. Oh, I loved it. That does it for another episode of Bitten Peach Pod. I hope we've satiated your hunger for that munch and crunch of queer Asian content. And if you've enjoyed the episode, make sure to tell everyone you know and find us on Instagram at Bitten Peach Pod, where we are documenting the entire queer Asian Pokedex. And make sure to come back next week. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it pose!